Jeff Ogilvy survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Badley has waited. Gary Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. Golf at its best by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Stand in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last. Greg Norman. Jones gets his name on the Stonehaven Cup. Leash been to 11 under. Now we've got a new leader, kids. Here it is! Adam Scott, a life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going inside the ropes. G'day everybody, welcome to episode 11 of Inside the Ropes. Lovely to have you with us, Andy Marr, here again alongside Mark Hayes, who is wearing shorts on a three-degree morning. If ever your sanity needed to be questioned, it is on a day like this with the decision you've made, my friend. I brought them in just in case we had a video here, because I wanted to bump up the ratings with the pins, and you know, it's totally blown up. What are you doing? You know, Mike Clayton doesn't like the use of the word pins. No, that's true. Well, my pin location is, right. is still intact, so it's okay. There you go. Uh, hello, uh, Martin Blake. How are you? G'day, Andy. Good to be back. And uh, Hazy's, I guess it is one of his better assets, the uh, the pins, but uh, I don't know about today. All things are relative, aren't they? That's it's, very true. There's a pea true. soup outside. Well, it's freezing, mate. It's freezing. Mm-hmm. A big show. Rod Pampling's going to join us not too far away, the WGC event. Um, the uh, Bridgestone this week and over in, uh, in fact, it's by the time you're listening to us, it's probably already, for many of you, it's already started over in Ohio. Great to have him as amongst, amongst the other five Australians teeing up. Uh, Sarah Jane Smith, the Women's British Open. Um, Alison Whitaker's caught up with her. We're going to hear from her. A remarkable story that you've got right at the end of the show. We'll touch base with one of a couple of fellows who have done something pretty extraordinary. Yeah, two ripping blokes have had a holes in one, I suppose. I've got the plural probably right. Holes in one, Blakey? Yeah. That in in the it. same group at Concord, which is a remarkable feat. That is. Uh, don't forget, of course, uh, subscribe to Inside the Ropes if you're new to it or you've been listening for a couple of weeks and you haven't um, actioned that. A- Apple Podcast, which is the old iTunes or for Android users, download a podcast app through Google Play. Uh, Inside the Ropes is now available on Spotify. Uh, if you're a Spotify user, head to the search tool, plug in Inside the Ropes, you can keep up with all of the episodes via Spotify. So there's a couple of ways of making it as easy as possible. Um, before we get to Pamps and talk about you know the next part of his journey, there's a bit of stuff to churn our way through in terms of the week that was. It's been... Whichever way you look at it, it's been a remarkable week in the world of golf. Yeah, you sort of think that you know you should get to the Open Championship and then just take a bit of a breather. And the reality is the ca- calendar is absolutely packed, jam-packed full now. And we're talking women's, men's, amateur, pro, everything. It's just not going to let up for about three or four weeks here. It's oh. it's a tremendously busy part of the season. Uh, so caddy, caddies will be on the agenda. Yeah. Well, well, let's start with that. The big news... In the world game is that after the motivational talk delivered by JP Fitzpatrick to Rory on hole number six yeah. or whenever it was, Fitzgerald, mm-hmm. um, uh, they get through that tournament. Rory probably looks back and thinks, I should have won it, uh, other than the, sort of the poor start he made. And in the wake of all of that, this nine-year relationship between Fitzgerald and McElroy comes to an end. Really interesting, I reckon, Hazy and Murray, because, uh, you know, these guys, they're very uh, driven, aren't they? And, they, you know, Rory's been, what would you say, a little bit off the boil. He won the FedEx Cup not so long ago. Like That was only $11.5 million payday <laughs> at the end of last year. But, you know, he's obviously 
you know, just talking to some people this week after it happened, the word seems to be out out around the traps of, of uh, golf tournaments is that he, he takes a lot of wrong clubs. He, he's a player that takes more wrong clubs than, a, you know, than he probably should. So uh, maybe there's something in that. He's using, Mari, a guy called Harry Diamond this week who happens to be one of his best friends. Okay. He has caddied for Rory uh, McIlroy before and in quite big tournaments, but... Uh, I'm not even sure. Harry Diamond sounds like a character out of Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. It, it does. <laughs> it does. So hey, here comes Harry Diamond again. He'd want to hit it straight, otherwise, Blakey, you'll be a diamond in the rough. Nice work, We were on fire, on fire today. this morning. Oh, sorry now, about uh, that. Adam Scott, uh, Adam Scott has changed his caddy for this hey, week. Hang on. This before you get to that, no, yeah. you write the story on golf.org.au. Yeah. We'll get to that. But before okay. you get too far away from Rory, you mentioned that he's taken um, a lot of bad clubs or a lot of wrong mm. clubs. Is the assumption that he's been given the wrong number or that Rory has ignored the advice? Is, is there more to that that you know of? I can't answer that, but one thing I do know is that Rory is very strong, runs, runs his own okay, show. Right, okay. So it's probably the what would be the former. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, this is what people say that a lot of the journos say out at the tournaments is that Rory gets a lot of clubs wrong. You know, he's obviously magnificent ball striker. Yep. A great putter when he's hot, but can get a few things wrong like that. So, you know, maybe it is time for a change. Like nine years, Hazy. Uh, a lot of players change after that period of time, don't well, they? It was the longest oh. stretch you had with one of your caddies. Or do you Hazy? think he's just, yeah. just oh. reaching out for something? Oh, he's, I reckon he's grasping at straws. Mm. I mean, I, I was fascinated to hear during the Open Championship that some of the commentators thought that. Uh, Birkdale didn't suit his game because he he, he needed to uh, hit it high and fly it back like the US courses and stop it dead still. And, you know, this is a guy who smashed everyone at Liverpool and, and you know, we thought there wasn't, wasn't a course that could contain him three or four years ago. I, I, I don't know the change and I don't think that's down to your caddy. Well, you know what I reckon was really... Listening back to last week's show... Uh, when we had Jeff Shackelford on and, you know, reviewing the Open Championship. And he and Clates had this sort of conversation about the changing equipment um, that McElroy went through at the in the middle stage of this season. And I reckon there's more to it. I, I reckon if we had another yeah. 15 or 20 minutes, Shackelford mm. and, and Clayton could have really expanded on that. And Shackelford made this point that um, it was to get the deal done. It was yep. the money was spent. It was a huge investment, but it was all to get the tailor-made sale done. And I wonder whether the money overrode the golf sense in that. And we, 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 we three will never know that. No, but I think I think it's fair. I think it's fair to speculate about it. It's worth mentioning Lydia Ko in that context as well, because she's another one, world number one player who's made all these changes, coaches, equipment. Uh, you know, everything, and uh, she's not going that well either. So sometimes, as Hazy said, they can grasp for something that's maybe not there. And you've got to remember that McElroy was six over through five over through six, six holes yep. at Birkdale, yep. and he's probably been the best player uh, outside those initial half a dozen holes. Should have won it. Should have won it. Yep. I mean, he'll look back and, that and think, oh my God. And the only thing that straightened him out was a bit of tough love from JP. Yep. Hmm. He misses the cut if he doesn't get that tough love. He was that's going that badly. That's true. That's true. So you write your piece uh, that everyone yeah. can read now about Scotty. And, and this I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, look, um, Steve Williams has caddied uh, at the majors for Adam Scott uh, since 2000, uh, every single major since 2015, So and, and going back a bit further before that. But he does split 
his caddying arrangements with a guy called David Clark, an English guy. Uh, but this week, David Clark is carrying his bag, not Steve. So, I, I, you know, I'm just reading a bit into it. Scotty has said at Akron that, uh, you know, he's just resting Steve Williams, but it, it kind of smacks of being something more than that. So I'm wondering whether this might be the end of that relationship uh. because Steve wanted to spend a lot more time in New Zealand, didn't want to travel so much. So he's had this split arrangement for a while, but um, it's it's a little bit, once again, a player who's not going that well. He, Adam Scott's down to number 17 in the world. It's only probably 18 months ago, Hazy was number one in the world. Yep. So he he hasn't been going that great. And he's spoken about his frustration. So maybe it sounds a bit like he's trying something a bit different. And Steve Williams won't fret for two seconds if he got the hook. No. He, he doesn't care. Was he, it possible he, he could go over to another player? You know, uh, I doubt uh, it. McElroy, McElroy. No, no, he definitely, definitely would not mm. consider going back on the tour forty weeks a year, or even for McElroy 20, 20 weeks a year. He's infatuated with his cars in New Zealand. Yeah, that's his life, and his his kids and his boys rugby team and all that stuff have, have got him. They, he doesn't care about all this stuff. He's got more money than just about any other athlete who's ever pulled on the silver fern. Now I just called him an athlete, Andy. <laughs> well, like, what is he, the highest paid athlete? Yeah, highest was. paid sports person, I think they've claimed him in New Zealand for yeah. a while. It's amazing to think that he's got more money than some of those All Blacks. But anyway, uh, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen, Blakey. And Mickelson's looking for a caddy as well. So there may be a bit of domino effect coming up, but uh, whether but- Steve comes back... The Adam Scott thing's really interesting. Look, reading your piece, and it was, again, this needs more um, delving into, and it needs Adam Scott to, you know, bear his soul, really, and tell us whether this is right or not. But, you know, he's got the second child on the way, mid-August, that's that's arriving. And, yeah. he, you know, he states in the piece that you wrote that he wants to spend more time, you know, with the new so, child and the family. So what's going to happen, it looks like, this is not totally confirmed, but it looks like he'll miss the first two playoff events. Mm. In September, you know, just after the baby is born, if it comes on time. Uh, so what that means is he's 70th on the FedEx Cup points list right as we speak. So if he just has moderate weeks in the next two weeks, because the PGA Championship is next week at Quail Hollow, if he doesn't have great weeks, he'll probably hover around that number. If he misses the first two playoff events, he can play in the third one, yeah. which is the BMW, but he needs to be in the top 70. So... It's really unlikely, I think. You know, so it might be that he plays the PGA next week, goes away for the birth of the second child, and that's it for him this year. And it may hazy even impact on his Australian summer. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, know. potentially. I mean, he's been a stalwart um, at both the Australian PGA Championship and the Australian Open for a long time. But um, as we've sort of mentioned here, time's ticking on Adam Scott, and I, you know, I've, I've said it in relation to winning majors. But rea- if that's the reality, Blakey, as clearly it is through your story. His priorities have moved. Absolutely. And mm. and, and you know, no one in their right mind would blame him for that. No. But if that means maybe he doesn't play as much as he does in Australia in the past, well, we could be seeing a whole new era. And and that might also, again, this is just us sitting around having a chat about yeah. golf and a player we love. He, he just may not be as driven now as he was 15 years ago. The, the, all these other things that fill your life up, might just have taken away an edge in his intensity, his love of the grind, all the things you've got to do to be the best player on planet Earth. Adam Scott might be very happy being in the best 25 players on planet Earth from now on and just letting his natural ability, when he plays, put him in the frame, you know, a lot, but maybe not as often as he would have dreamt or been driven to do 
um, once upon a time. It, it, these are the things that you just you don't know how life gets in the way of the other pursuits, the professional pursuits, and that is being a professional golfer. Well, none of us know. And the, and the problem from our perspective sitting here speculating, pure speculation, is the limited access we have to our guys um, to actually delve into this a little bit more. We could you know, not speculate if we could have access weekly, but it's it's not something we can uh, mm. we can do as readily as we'd like to, which is unfortunate thing for everyone listening, to be honest. Yeah. So uh, hopefully we can rectify that. One of the other greats, um, Kari Webb, arguably the greatest of all, sort of bobbed up out of nowhere with her performance in the Scottish Open. I mean, her first top ten all year. Yeah, her form's mm. been moderate at best. Yeah, for. Just about all of the tournaments, she looked like she was going to win. I, I think just, I think she actually fired up just to get a, get a shot back at Blakey. To be honest well, with there you, there you go. Yeah, I, I was I was just waiting. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's probably right. <laughs> I, I almost sent her a text after about three rounds. Don't go jumping on the band. Uh, wagon, just for the, yeah. our listeners, uh, awesome. I, I got I upset Carriel in the writing that she was possibly in her last year on tour, and uh, she wasn't that happy about it. Look, she played brilliantly. Andrew, uh, for three rounds. Andrew. The first the first round, she shot 65 in shocking conditions. Mm. So she got herself in position to win. Uh, it all uh, came adrift on the on the back nine on Sunday. She was two shots ahead through 14 holes. On the, I think she three-parted the 16th hole. On the 17th hole, she hit a three-wood off the tee. Johnny Scott, her caddy, said, I think that's jumped into a bumper, a bunker. And she said, what? You know, you could hear it through the, yeah, the microphone. She couldn't believe it. She couldn't believe it. She'd hit a good shot, uh, got a terrible bounce. I had a look at it, and it, it looked like a shocking sideways bounce. Right up to the front of the bunker. Has to go so, uh, backwards out of the bunker to get it out of one of those pots. And uh, ends up taking a double. So she loses the tournament by a shot to Mi Hang Lee of South Korea, who shot 66, to be fair. Kari shot 73. Uh, one interesting thing, Hazy, I'm not sure whether you caught up with this, but she came up the last hole and it's a par five. So there was a you know possibility of making an eagle and, and getting into a playoff. But she didn't know because this, at the Scottish Open, for some reason, they didn't have a scoreboard on the last hole. I have no idea why that would be. I think Kari said she'd never experienced well, that before. Yeah, we've got... This is what she said post-round okay. about that exact situation. Okay. And then playing the last, there was no leaderboard. So um, I didn't know that I had to make eagle. Um, you know, even with my bunker shot, I still didn't know. Um, so that's frustrating to, to not be... To not know what you have to do. Um, you know, so you're sort of in two minds about how to play the shot. Um but, you know, overall I played really well this week and felt good in the position I put myself in. So hopefully that means I'll, I'll do it a bit more often. She made birdie on that last she hole, did. but she didn't know that she needed eagle. And she was in a bunk, greenside bunker, so if she holes out, would have been a playoff. Look, it's a good setup for next week anyway, or this week at the Women's British Open, which we'll talk about it. We will. Soon. And Midgey mm. Lee was there or thereabouts as well. Mm. We feel like it's just gonna it's going to happen. We feel like it's going to, but... <laughs> Geez, the flood of players, particularly coming from Korea. I mean, the the Mi Hung Lee, the girl Lee who Hang Lee. Me, yeah, yeah. who wins, she's ranked like forty seven in the world. Mm. Is that right? Am I, I right in saying that? She's like, she's not even one of their front lines. No, she's no. far from it. That's so, the, that we keep talking about this, but you know, they they being Koreans hold almost 50% of the top 50 in the world. It's, it, it, it's like East Germany all over again. I think again. it might be 11 of the top 20, somewhere uh, around it's, that. It, yeah. It's truly extraordinary. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. So you talk about, um, here's a segue, you talk about sending texts to Kari Webb, which Hazy and I are advising against. Don't do that. Just okay. you know, leave, leave her alone. Okay. Um, 
Well, there was a fantastic, uh, fantastic. There was a really interesting Twitter conversation that uh, certainly you and I were part of. I don't know whether you jumped in on it, um, Blakey, but Clates did, and Maxie McArdle did, and, uh, and Pricey, I think, might have. Or a couple of others sort of weighed in, such as the nature of these public conversations that take place on Twitter, where Matty Griffin raised a really interesting point about communicating with players when they're mid-tournament. Yeah, and, and we should. But this might be the best time, Andy, to bring up Ryan Ruffles yep. uh, in relation to uh, the Canadian Open last week, and a huge kudos to to Ryan Ruffles. Finished thirty second. The story that we're talking about now comes about from the fact that he was actually fifth heading into the final round. Look, he had a by his own admission, you know, not a, not a great afternoon on Sunday, but I think importantly for the future, he shot eagle birdie birdie to finish so he's four under the last three holes to climb up and bank a really big and important check however uh maddie griffin who's a dear friend of the show and and and, and mine personally and yours too good man a really outstanding bloke uh, and a good thinker of the game and he he uh, theorized that by us and by say us I, you know i generally mean blakey and myself and maybe ben Everill and a couple of others who are regular contributors to um, keeping Australians informed. And there aren't that many of us, to be honest, who are writing constant stories, how we shouldn't have the pressure on them on social media by including their names in social media and being sort of um, gung-ho. And I'm not saying that Matty said, saying that we're sycophantic, far from it, but that we seem to be pushing them and even harder when they're in contention. My uh, answer and response to that was, if we don't do it, who's doing it? Mm. Uh in some respects, that's the premise of this very podcast. Like, there just aren't that many people uh, fighting the fight against other forms of sport that golf is contending with these days. Uh, we could talk about this forever. I, I just think that it's um, incumbent on us to actually engage as many people as we can at the time that these guys are actually in contention because that's when you have to strike, when that iron's hot. So what about what about um, Maddie's point that don't include the handle yeah. of the player in the middle of the... The correspondent, so he, she, he or she, yeah, whoever can't it is, see it. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we don't tag at our ruffles exactly. into a tweet. Yeah. yeah, and and that's a valid point. And maybe we need to talk about that. Um, you know, at, among the guys who actually put all this stuff out, um, I've Ryan actually himself put in a tweet. You know, he loved all the support he had from all around the world, and you know that wasn't a factor. Uh, I think Max McArdle. I believe probably fell on the side of Matty Griffin, saying that was a you know a good idea, and others did too. Um, so you know there's there's no direct uh, winner in in this debate. But um, I've spoke to a handful of guys, and they said, mate, if you can't put yourself um, in a position to shield out social media when you're the 54 hole leader or 36 hole contender or whatever you are, you're probably in a world of trouble. Um, I would have thought so. Yeah, I, I think that's the minimum that he, he, he could yep. expect, isn't it? Imagine leading the Masters uh, at Augusta through three rounds and try getting away from the, the spotlight then. Exactly. So I, I disagreed with what Matty said, although I found it an interesting oh, debate. Very interesting. And I think we all in the media do have to be a little bit conscious of building up some of the younger players maybe a little bit too soon. I guess that's a, something worth taking on board. Hashtag but, Golden Era, just park it for a while. Yeah, yeah, maybe that one no. has to go away. <laughs> right. no, uh, no, we've got to roll with it. It's been trending for three years, Andy. <laughs> but we, you know, I just looked at that and I thought, well, we can't win, can we? <laughs> in the media, you're not going to win too many popularity contests. If you, if you ignore them, uh, you get in trouble for that. And then it, it, you, we're almost 
we're almost saying there that we're we're giving them too much support. Well, it comes from, it, from with the likes of us. It comes from exactly the same place. A, we want them to know that we're interested. Yes, we want them to know we're interested because yeah. there's there's bugger all. But by and large now, in the broader mainstream media in Australia, there's not the interest levels in golf in this country that they want from a pure media... You know this, Hazy. Yes, so do you, no. Blake. I mean, you guys have seen the transition of this as professional working journalists. You've seen the decline in interest. And it peaks for a couple of weeks when we get the Open and the PGA. And it's great. There's a bounce and a bubble and there's a vibrancy about Australian golf for a couple of weeks, which is priceless. But for 48 other weeks of the year in Australia... No one's talking about the game, which is... So I want... was where I come from. I want Ryan Ruffles, and I want Matty Griffin, and I want Bryden McPherson, and I want all these guys to know, hey, we know what you're doing. We're aware of what you're doing. We're in your corner. And, mate, good luck. That's that's the only reason I ever tag these blokes into anything. Plus one. I agree with everything you just said. And, you know... We, we have interactions regularly with Hannah Green in particular. She's just awesome on social media. And, and these are the way they build up <clears throat> pardon me, build up their profiles. And we're not talking about the Jason Days, Adam Scotts of the world just yet. Hopefully they'll get to this stage. But we want Minji to be number one, and, and we still want access to her. Same applies with Ryan or Curtis or all these other guys we, we keep banging on about in the hashtag golden era. We want them to be um, accessible to us and not shove their phone away. So that we can use their powers that that might uh, they might actually develop these powers as their world rankings rise to benefit the game of golf long long term. And while the mainstream media, traditional media, absolutely flounders with its golf coverage, there's no denying that at any level. Uh, there is still a huge interest in what everyone's doing, and it's not just at the elite PGA Tour in the US level. It it goes right down to to junior tournaments, uh, you know, in, in Asia when when there's Australians involved. We're a parochial lot. We want to know. Yeah, and this well, look is at the, the cut through the Curtis Luck got when he wins the US Amateur. Oh, yeah. Look mm. at the cut. I mean, that, that was that was everywhere. That was the, on all nightly news services. That was all over the place because there is, I think, there is enough people who are still grinding the gears of the game in Australia to keep the thing, you know, as close to front of mind as it possibly can be. That when there is an outstanding result somewhere, it's it's easy for the mainstream media to jump on board and pick the story up. You know? And let's not forget that the newspaper industry itself is is flailing. Yeah, you know, it's, it's falling yep. apart. Yep. So uh, that's been an issue as well. So they don't have the resources to do it. In terms of radio, I would say if you ask radio producers around Australia, they would say, well, we can't get to these people. They all go overseas and we can't get them. And that's mm-hmm. that's a bit of an issue as well that, that Golf Australia and the PGA and, and the industry has to deal with as well. I think that's really true. Yeah. If you're listening to this uh, and you've you know, got a view on uh, the merits or the counterpoints of the conversation taking place, feel free to share them with us. Go to our Twitter handle, at Inside the Ropes. You'll be able to find that. Become inside f- the underscore ropes. Inside the underscore ropes. That's <laughs> Don't write underscore. <laughs> Look for the little, you know, the one that lies on the bottom of the ground. You know that one. Uh, type that in and... Tell us, you know, what you think. It means you're going to have to subscribe, become a Twitter user, but that's not a bad thing. No. And, I, you know, we stress, Andy, that Matty Griffin isn't wrong here. No, not at all. And, no. in fact, 
I actually encouraged him on Twitter to have his opinion because it generates debate. Yep. Hopefully we'll get him. I think he's in transit back from Japan. But hopefully we get him in here to express his view so that he, you know, he can put his ideas forward because you know, we've all got to strive together as, as an industry, really, yep, which is absolutely. exactly what you just said about working with the PGA to get access to players. It's, it's all one big uh, snowball that we need to shove down the hill. So there are a couple of really interesting um, – you got any – we're done on that? Yeah, yeah, done. A couple of really interesting kind of ruling type um, – rules type etiquette of the game type matters during the week that we saw – we, we might have to clear the decks here for you because I, I know that, uh, you know, Blakey and I have at various times pushed off the fence about rules issues, but there's one that's really... Oh, which one? Charlie Hoffman? No, no, no. no. Oh, we, I think we oh, can all no. agree on that one. The, but... U, the US girls amateur. Yes. I just thought this was... You know, you talk about spirit of the game. Do you want me to paint the picture before yeah, you rant? go on. Yep. A girl called Erica Shepard, who was the eventual winner of the US Girls Junior Championship in her semi-final... Uh, was had a birdie putt on the 19th hole. She missed, she was conceded the putt, and then she watched her opponent have a very makeable four or five-foot birdie putt of her own to win and knock her out of the competition. Uh, Moon, the other young girl. Elizabeth Moon, yeah. Elizabeth Moon, she, she pulled the putt badly and immediately, it was definitely in gimme range. Six well, inches, I think it was about, about six, eight inches. Yeah. yeah, it was definitely a gimme. Uh, at any level of this competition, but she raked the ball immediately, Andy, and before a concession was audibly heard, and this has got your goat. So Erica, Erica Shepherd, Erica Shepherd says that when Elizabeth Moon made the putt, she shut her eyes. She didn't want to see the ball rolling, so she had her eyes closed. And when she opened her eyes, she didn't hear the ball go in. She opened her eyes, and that's when she saw Moon picking her ball up. Well, she raked, she raked the ball back, back. with the, with her putter that's along right. the ground, so it wasn't even a, a legal stroke. She just assumed she assumed that she was given the putt as she should have, Blakey. Well, oh look, I. Now, here's where it gets tricky. Never I, assume. I know you don't. I know you don't. I know you don't. She won't do it again. And, you, and, and by the letter of the law, Shepard yeah. had every right to do what she did. She hadn't said, it's good, pick it up, putt's good, whatever. Whatever language she used to concede a putt, she had not said it. But in the spirit of match play and the spirit of that match, and look, I hadn't seen the previous 18 holes, so I don't know how many putts were conceded on the way through. But every day of the week, whether you're playing for the US, a place in the US girls amateur final, or you're playing Get your club right. championship, yep. you give that putt. And once the putt was picked up, the ball was picked up, for the good of the game, Erica Shepard, in my humble opinion, had to say, okay, I hadn't said it, but... Let's, go to, let's go. Let's go to the 20th hole. She actually I, said that to the rules official that she was intending to to concede the putt. Well, she should but have the, done but, it. But the rules official wouldn't let her do that. The rules official said, "No, you can't." Once the you know, once it's all happened, you can't then say, yeah, but, "No, I'm conceding." Yeah, it. but so, she said, "I hadn't conceded the putt." That, it only became. She said, an issue. I, "I didn't give that." Yeah, yeah. it only became. An, it goes right back to the Solheim Cup. It happened it, with Alison Lee exactly. at the Solheim Cup it, and Suzanne Pedersen, which yeah. that was an awful one. That one. Did you, do you remember the scenes? I was watching terrible, that at the time. Terrible. There were tears. Oh, it was, so what's the answer? Well, do we think, have no gimmies? No, because I think that's a good. Thing. I think that's a great mm. part of the. I think that's a great part of and a good and a valid tactic. I, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. So no, I don't think that's the answer. I think, and it's hard to put it on. I'm not. I don't want to paint Erica Shepherd as the villain here, but it's. And she's a young woman who's a step away from you know realizing, and she ultimately went on to win the championship. So for her to be able to put that behind her and then regather herself and you know 
put the because she was obviously distraught at the end of it as well, having been oh, through yeah. that. To come out the next day and win is a you know a testimony to her mental strength. So well done. But on on the event of this hap- on the occasion of this happening again, I think the player in her position's just got to understand the moment a bit more, rather than complain about not giving the putt. Just before you say anything. Just realise what's happened and say, "Yeah, that part was good. Let's let's go." Like I 100 percent agree. But as devil's advocate, can I suggest that she's a 17 year old girl yeah. playing in front of TV cameras for the first time? Yeah, massive. Obviously, you, we've never had that. We don't know what the pressure, um, what pressure comes with that. So you're right, and we're not in her shoes. And but it just it was a bit. It was hard to watch. It yeah, was, I think know. there's no no one suggesting anything's been done incorrectly here at all. No. But I think it it speaks again, and we'll, we'll talk about more rulings in a second. It speaks to the somewhat inflexibility of the rules. I like, agree with that. Yeah. Once that woman comes onto the the green, the the um, referee, the referee Walking, in yep. charge, yep. it's done. Yep. There is no flexibility whatsoever, so they can't undo what's just been done. And by the laws of golf, the rules of golf, I should say, it's done. It's right. It's the correct decision. There's yep. no getting around that. Yep. But publicly, everyone goes, oh, and the cringe factor is so high again. And you're about to talk about something else, you guys, where the cringe factor is absolutely enormous despite the uh, technicalities of the rules being upheld. So we're down the stretch of the Canadian Open. Johnny Vegas eventually defends, beats Charlie Hoffman in a playoff on the first hole, Blakey. But before we Mm. got to that point... Uh, one of the one of the more ex- extraordinary things you'll ever see on a golf course took place, I reckon. Yeah, Charlie Hoppin. I can't. I don't know the actual hole. But he had a fried egg lie in a bunker next to the green on one of the later holes of the seventy-two holes. So it was on the face. He sort of he'd come in hot, and it was on the kind of the face of the bunker. Yeah. So his, yeah. Sta- his stance was over near, you know, right near the lip of the yep, bunker. Exactly. The ball was buried. And he gets into the to the bunker to basically to get ready to play his shot. He buries his feet into the sand and he feels something a bit hard underneath. Doesn't think much of it at the time. Then he goes and gets the official. Ends up getting a a, a free drop. In obviously still in the hazard, but he gets a free drop because there was some concrete lining yep. under the face of the bunker. Now <laughs> uh, I wish Clates was here to explain, but uh, he'd be to frothed. keep he'd to be keep f- sand on the faces of bunkers nowadays, a lot of times they put some artificial surface underneath so that the sand's got something to stick to. And in this case, there was some a little bit of concrete deep mm. down underneath there. But I think Andrew, you you saw Kevin Chapel's his playing partner. They cut away to him, and Chapel's going. Wow. Mm. Wow. You yeah. could see him saying it. And he said something to Hoffman like, and they, it wasn't malicious. Like, he was just going, You've got to be kidding me, Charlie. Like, that is the greatest. That is the greatest um, ruling you, I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> he, he, he could not believe. Cause so, so, Hoffman. He, he wasn't even expecting to get the, the ruling no. in his favour. I've read that since. Uh, the karma bus hit him if you don't like it. <laughs> if you don't like the. Uh, the ruling because he he fluffed the bunker shot once he took the drop it, the ball buried down a little bit as it does when you take a drop in a bunker obviously and uh, he he messed up that shot and and didn't end up winning the tournament uh, obviously Johnny Vegas did the elaborately named Johnny Vegas one of my favourites but yeah, uh, he's a Charlie player. Hoffman uh, it's caused a lot of eyebrow raising in the uh, game let's just say uh, you know in social media a few other players have commented on it and. Uh, it was pushing the barriers. That you one. just shake your head. Like, have, you, have you got another one? Well, as well? the Jens Farbring, the opening round, the the opening hole of the final round on the European tour, the the um, 
Oh, what was the name of the, the European Open? Uh, the I can't remember the name of the tournament. Now there's so much golf being played. European Open. Yeah, yeah. European Open. He's in the final group. It's wet. It's been raining. You know, cats and dogs. And he tugs his opening drive left, and it lands in the first cut. Now this is interesting because there's it's only it's it's mostly interesting because there are television cameras on him, and mm. what happens by virtue of being in the final group as opposed to the player who hit off two hours before him, if exactly the same thing happened. He tugs his drive left, it pitches in the first cut, lands in the first cut, and because the ground is so wet, the ball just goes straight through the surface. They all head over there. They can see where it lands. They all head over there in the squishy, squelchy, sort of you know ankle-deep, um, spongy grass. No one can find the ball. It is that deeply embedded that it's gone straight through the top of the earth and no one can find it. So they go to the television camera. What's his name? The the, the Jules or whoever the you know European tour um, you know Riles is, whose radar's <laughs> down there covering. Goes. Yeah, yeah. They're going to. They're saying the bikes in the booth are saying to the um, the 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 guy down on the ground level. He goes. It's it landed near the bloke with the blue stripy shirt. It landed near the bloke with the blue stripy shirt. So they're looking at all the people looking for Farbring's ball. And so the course commentator walks over to the bloke in the blue stripy shirt and he says, we're being told that it landed right where you're standing. So the referee says, okay, um, integrity of surface has been affected by the weather. Uh, we can identify the ball landed here, close enough to here. You get a drop. They can't find it. It's a lost ball, but he gets to drop the ball for a, for a buried lie. Yeah, approximately where the ball landed, right? Mm. Then he gets relief from there because of casual water, presumably, and he gets to play his second shot into the green, which he stiffs to about 15 feet mm. from the pristine surface of the fairway. Had he been the bloke hitting off at two over the cut, who'd made the cut, whatever the cut line was, two and a half hours earlier, Hazy, that bloke's back on the tee. Yeah, yeah. three. Playing third. Yeah. Playing his third shot. Mm. So it's just, you know, like... You can be lucky. What a series of anomalies we've had this year. Well, not anomalies. I don't know if that's the right word, Blakey. I don't know. But, you know, yeah. Lexi Thompson. Controversies. Controversies. Let's go with that. Thank you. Mm. Um, Lexi Tompkin, Thompson was in exactly the same boat. Mm. Last group, intense media scrutiny. Uh, if she's off at 10 o'clock instead of 1 o'clock, she's home and ho. She doesn't have to worry about where a ball was marked. Yeah. It's a... It's a Floor the way we're doing <laughs> these things. Barbary. It was either the second or the third. Oh, I can't remember. But he's he's hit another drive left. Did you see this? No. And it's they've got the they've got the BMW um, sign hoardings down the side of the fairway for you know pick up the camera TV lines. And he's hit his he's obviously hit a big hook, and it's gone straight through the front of one of these uh, hollow advertising hoardings. They're only about two feet high. Um. So he's walked up to where he, he thought his ball's landing. There's a big rip in the middle of the of the hoarding, and his ball's stuck in the middle of it. So they come the rules official. They go, "I'm oh, a ball." He goes, "My ball's in there. It's actually in. It's in the sign, the hollow sign." So the boat goes, oh, "Do we know where the ball is?" And he goes, "Oh, it's either down that end or down that end. It's going to be one way or the other, you know." So the boat picks the sign up with the ball in it, moves the sign, shakes it, gets the ball out, and then just gives him a drop a, a pr- approximately where. Within the sign, the ball would have been hovering above ground level. It was extraordinary stuff. The things he'll do to get on inside the ropes, Andy. <laughs> it's it's unbelievable. It is true. Hey, Rod Pambley's about to join us. Just one last one before we get to Pamps. Uh, web.com this week. Steph Curry's playing. Yeah, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I think it brings some some attention to a tournament that otherwise wouldn't get it. He's a very good player, Steph Curry. He's, he's a two handicapper. 
Um, he's a better three-point shooter than he is a golfer, obviously. But I think it's okay. Uh, I think the general feeling is that he'll he'll miss the cut by some distance. But I think he's yeah. he's fifteen to one to make the cut. Yeah, and he's three thousand to one to win the tournament. I was watching uh, ESPN last night with Scott Van Pelt, who's a ripper. Mm. Uh, he interviewed Michael Collins, who's on Twitter, ESPN caddy, who's just an, a fantastic bloke, Michael Collins. I hope he's listening. G'day, mate. Uh, he uh, was down there basically assessing his chances of doing well, and he said, this is not a promo stunt. This guy could actually play when his dad, uh, who is also a fantastic NBA Del player, Curry, yeah. Yeah. when they grew up, his house was basically over the road from a course, and he spent heaps of time. And they all reckon that if he put a, put the uh, the leather away and picked up the sticks, um, he'd be uh, he would have potentially been a PGA Tour standard player. Wow! So you know you, you make those sliding doors things, but this is I mean yes, it's a publicity grab, but I think it's a valid one. And I think if he feels at home early enough, because he said he's more nervous now than in Game Seven of the NBA Finals, <laughs> yes. which is incredible. Uh, you know when you think about that stage, here he is pe- pegging it up two handicapper. They reckon he could probably get it down into the positive numbers if he put three or four months into it. He's probably made the right call. I don't I think he's doing too <laughs> I think bad he's for just himself. signed a contract for oh, what was it, maybe fifty million a year <laughs> or something. Going, he's, so, going, he's, going yeah, okay. he's okay. I wonder if it'd be interesting if he's as good from long range with a putter as he is with the um, basketball <laughs> oh. in his hand. It'll be fun watching him. He'll be making some bombs, won't he? Hey, <laughs> uh, we've got six Australians teeing it up uh, in the next of the WGC events. We're gonna catch up with one of those very, very shortly. Hi, this is Sherelle McMahon. Swing fit is the fun, healthy, social way for women to get started in golf. You'll learn the basics of the golf swing and how to putt over a six-week program and get your whole body moving through yoga and Pilates-style exercises. You don't need any golf knowledge or equipment. Simply turn up in comfy clothing and get started. You'll be surrounded by like-minded people and receive constant support. So get outdoors, meet new friends and learn a sport that you can play for the rest of your life. To find a program near you, visit swingfit.com.au. Hey, it's Jeff Ogilvy. I can't be in Australia very often, but I love keeping up with everything on Inside the Rope podcast. Good bunch of guys. And I love listening. Obviously, the WGC event taking place uh, at the Bridgestone International, Akron, Ohio. Don't try and say that three times too fast because it's a very. In fact, have a go, Blakey. Say Akron, Akron o- Ohio, Ohio three times quickly. Akron, Ohio? No, I can't do it. Go on, you have a go. Akron, Ohio, Akron, Ohio, Akron, Ohio. That's not too bad. Uh, six Australians teeing it up, and one of them is Rod Pampling, and it's a joy to welcome into Inside the Ropes one of the great players of Australian golf. And uh, Pants, we say uh, thanks for joining us on the show, mate. No worries, guys. Great to be here. It's great to have you here, and I'm, I'm sure it is great for you to be here, but it must be even greater for you to be um, back in the sort of company that you're in this week. You're there by virtue of the, you know, the win at the Shriners, but just to be back teeing up alongside, you know, in this sort of absolute stellar elite company in one of these WGC, WGC events, how big is that for you? Oh, it's been great. You know, I think... Uh... We're trying to work out this uh, this week when was the last time I was there. I think it was like oh eight or oh nine. So it's uh, it's been way too long, but uh, yeah, it certainly is great to be back. It's uh, you know you like to say it's uh, who's who of the list of players. So it's uh, it's good to be one of those names again. Pamps, I think I read somewhere that it was two oh nine. So it's yeah. been a while, but uh, it's a no cut event. It's yeah. a uh, no-cut event, which means uh, you're guaranteed to get, I think, 45 grand. So that's pretty <laughs> handy as well. 
those things go a little bit. They help a little bit, don't they? Hey, um... <laughs> we are certainly making a little bit more than that. But, it, yeah, it's nice to know if you come last, you still get the pretty good check. You could shoot 80-80 and still get that. I oh, hope yeah, you'd... I'm going to have four of them and be four. Right. <laughs> hey, Pamps, uh, what are the greens like at uh, Firestone Country Club? Because someone posted a, uh, a video on social media last night and it looked a bit like... Augusta, it was so fast. Uh, is that the way they are, or was that a, a kind of a, a myth? Oh, no, they're, they're, they're running pure. They're, this place is always in fantastic shape. But, yeah, they're pretty quick. I think they had them a little bit dry because they're expecting, well, we, that's what we're heading off. We're heading off early Thursday, Friday, because they're expecting some storms in the afternoon. So I think they had the course pretty dried out just in case we, you know, put a lot of rain that it could handle it. So. They were, uh, yeah, they were. They got your attention pretty quick. So it depends on where they put the pin locations and you know where you miss it. It, um, yeah, some of the putts around here, it's uh, it brings back memories of where you're not not supposed to go. That's for sure. And uh, just you're 47 now, Pabs. Obviously, you can still compete mm-hmm. because you just won a tournament uh, not so long ago. How do you compete at that age? Is it any different to what it was? Say ten years ago, for you, I, I noticed, for instance, you played with Kepka, Brooke Kepka, uh, Bruce Kepka. Uh, I think in the last round of the Shriners tournament that you they won, won, you know, three times quick. <laughs> there you go. There's another one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, how does that go? Because you, you, you know, you're 47. You don't hit, probably don't hit it as far as you used to. I'm not sure. No, you know, it, it's not bad. Like it's it's respectable. I haven't uh, haven't lost that much, but you just know these guys can hit it miles so you know I, I guess over the years you've just realized that yep you know it's reality now so you don't try and hit it harder anymore whereas 10 years ago you still tried to hit it hard so which got you into trouble so hopefully you know you're a little bit wiser hopefully sometimes it doesn't work but you know you, you're trying uh just use your golf knowledge to, which you know the younger guys don't have as much they're still obviously very well um accomplished players but you know they haven't seen it all so uh and this is a golf course that certainly you need to know a, a lot about just where to miss it and where not to and so you know i have to use that experience and um that that's what i that's my little advantage i have over the majority of the rod um blakey mentions uh, mentioned he played with kepka in that final round just going back to that he shoots 67, you shoot 65. He goes on to win the US Open this year. I mean, is that something that you take? I mean, you've obviously got great confidence in your own game and your own ability. You wouldn't still be doing what you're doing without that. But when you see what Kepka goes on to do, not that long after you win that tournament and beat him cold in the final round, do you? does that just one of those little sort of signposts that you take a bit of confidence from? Oh, of course you do, whenever that, that happens. But... Um... Yeah, you know, it's, it's so different. Like, it's, the, the golf courses are so different. Um, and he obviously, um, you know, he played phenomenal. But he, he made long putts that week, which, uh, you know, thankfully he didn't make that many putts uh, at uh, at Vegas. But, you know, whenever you see guys that you've beaten and then, and then they um, go on to win something big like that, it doesn't matter at what age you are. That still gives you confidence. So. I certainly look at that and and go, you know, I, I know I went head to head with the guy who's the current U.S. Open champion, and I, and I beat him. So, you know, there's never um, you're not looking for confidence. You just look, look back at the video of the game and you go, well, you know what, you can do it. Absolutely, so yeah. Just uh, yeah, get out there and 
give it the best shot. Pam, so whether you're 21 or 47, you've always had the ability to just shoot the lights out. I'm not saying it happens every week, but you, you have that ability within you. We saw it there, that, that tournament you're talking about now at Las Vegas, but we also saw you just rip the heart out of the Australian a couple of years ago at the, at the Aussie Open. When you're going well, what is it that you find clicks within you to make a score like that 61 you shot at the Australian? You just don't get in your own way. You kind of let it go. You know, you know, looking at those scores, it's amazing how many of those rounds. By the end of the day, you, you kind of got to add it up to see what you've actually shot because you're not thinking of the scores and the shots. You just, it's the pros. You just like, okay, here's my tee shot. You hit it to there, from here, there's to the green, and you putt. It's, it's, and pretty much that's what it is. It's kind of like when you say you're in the zone. That's you, you just, you're just not thinking a lot about the outside stuff. It's just what your job at hand is and you get it done. And as I say, it's amazing how many times you shoot the really low ones. You've got to, you've got to look at the paper and write down exactly what you've had. So, mate, when you, don't know. when you shot that 61 at the Australian, I remember you telling us afterwards you'd had a couple of uh, little Bundy rums the night before. <laughs> um, have, you, have you got a bottle of Captain Morgan tucked away in Akron? <laughs> no. No, that was... Uh, And all the coaching you've had done, and you know you're still uh, you're still at this kind of elite level, and you're you're competing at. Do you spend as much time getting coached now as you did, you know, say twenty years ago? Oh yeah, the game doesn't change. It's just we're feelings are the, are the biggest issue with this game. You know, we're, every day we're out there, and, and something feels different. And so you know, you're ringing up, uh, ringing up Alex, who we're using, and. Um, you're ringing up all the time, and it's like, what, what, what is this? Well, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. You know, obviously, I've done it for a long, long time, so you, you kind of know the majority of the answers yourself, but it, it's it's never-ending. It's um, you just non-stop trying to work out your game. It's um, You know, I, I went back in Dallas, I get to play with David Graham a little bit there, and, you know, he's around 70, and, and it's, he's still trying to work his game, trying to work on something. So it just never ends. You know, it's just, uh, it's, it's constant with this game. And on that topic... It's a passion for it. Yeah. On yeah. that topic, Pamps, uh, could you talk a bit about the influence of your wife, Angela? Because she's a clinical psychologist, isn't she? So I'm just wondering whether uh, you actually consult with her and whether she charges you if she helps you out at all. <laughs> do you have to do a few chores or something? Yeah, I get the dishes every second night when I'm at home. And, uh, it's, it's a pretty simple charge, so she doesn't 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 charge too much. He's giving me a funny look right now. But, um, but she does help you, you doesn't know, she? You know, oh, a tremendous amount. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, I just need to uh, be better at listening to her. So um, yeah, we've all we've worked for a long time. So a lot, a lot of it I know now. It's just a case. It's just a case of me um, doing the work, which uh, you know it's. It's been good this week, so I know when it's good. That's when my weeks, you, know, you play good. So 
you, know, you still scratch your head wondering why you don't keep doing it. But, um, you know, that's professional golfers. That's what we do. But, uh, no, Andrew's done a lot. You know, we've, uh, ever since, as soon as we started, I saw the, the bonuses straight away. I think it was, I finished 40, around mid-40s on the Aussie Tour for two years. And the first year we worked, I finished second. And it just went from there. So, you know, the head part is a, is a massive part of the game. So I'm just yeah, very fortunate she's there. And, you know, it'll be great this week. She'll get to check it out and most probably give me a C minus. But, um, you know, <laughs> hopefully I'll be a little bit better than that. I presume she's forgiven you for leaving her over in the States because I was reading the story the other day about... Uh, Oh, back in the day, I think you were on the web.com tour and you ran out of money. Uh, it was a pretty tough time and uh, you wanted to come home to Australia. I think you sold the car to get enough money to go home yeah. and you didn't have enough money for Ange to come back with you. So you oh, left no, her in... the one ticket, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we had the old, uh, the old Chevy Astro. So we had to sell that one. At, uh... But I did leave her in Carmel. Right. Good so at least there's a nice place. <laughs> it's just around the corner from. It's just around the corner from Pebble, you know. It's just that location. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so no, that was true. Yeah, we had nothing. Had, didn't have enough to both get back. So we, uh, I just did that. Went to Gary, Edwin, who was using at the time, and we fixed it all up and got through the tour school, and and then that was our second year of web tour, and that's when I finished um, fourth on the money list and. Got onto the main tour, mate. You're a proud. Yeah, you're, it's been a uh, interesting road. You're a proud Queenslander. We know that. We know you love sticking it up the New South Welsh when come Origin time. But uh, if you look at the your, your, I guess compatriots in the field this week, um, Scott Hand is right there, and it's awesome for us to see Handy sort of, you know, take his place in the, on the US tour. We haven't seen him there for a long time. What's he like? You've you know he's he's not quite. Uh, well, I suppose you you might have played a bit of amateur golf together. I'm not sure. What, how do you get on with Handy? Um, well, obviously, we don't see each other a hell of a lot. So, uh, it's just, you know, obviously, we say hi because he's just not far from us at Nudgy. He's just around the corner. So, you know, you sort of, we haven't really played a, a lot um, on the same tour. So, obviously, he's having a, a great run on the European tour in the last four or five years. He's been playing phenomenal golf. But, um, you know, we've seen each other this week. But, yeah, it's just schedules haven't fit. He's going one way, I'm going the other. But, um, yeah, it's good to see. You know, Sam Brazel here as well. So, as you say, this, uh, I think this is it six, six Aussies you said? Yeah. Like that? yeah. So it's nice, you know, six out of 75 in a, in a world event. Pretty strong. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, he could go well. He's got the length around here. So, um, it's just, I think it's just a very difficult golf course to, to know if you haven't. I don't, I, I don't know if has he played this one before? I'm not sure. I don't think he has. But, um, yeah, he's got um, other coins and Shane Joel on the bag. So Shane caddied for Amir for a long time. So he, um, you know, hopefully he'll steer him around and get him around the golf course. So it's just a tough one to get around. It's, it's an extremely demanding golf course. You got to hit it really straight. And even if you hit, you could hit the middle of the fairway. So it's just a, it's a very challenging golf course. You just, it's kind of you need a little bit of luck more than anything just to get a good lie in the rough or those sorts of things so you can get it down to the green. But um, it'll be a good test. So hopefully we don't get any rain. That's the problem because mm. the course is playing nice and firm. So which is that's when it plays really good. Hey, Pabs, uh, you've been very close in the Aussie Open quite a few times, and I reckon that's 
probably on your radar. Are you coming down this year, do you think? Mm. Oh, yeah, no, I'll be back down. I, I love playing the Australian. It's, uh, obviously, I've, I've had some uh, good events down there. It's, um, yeah, I've been close a lot of times there, so I'm, uh, I want to definitely get, uh, you know, I want to win the Australian Open, obviously, get the Masters, but um, still, I, I've got the, the PGA and the, and the Open to get. So, yeah, I'm definitely uh, definitely looking at that and say I love the golf course. Um, yeah, there's a couple of guys got to get by, but um, yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, uh, form's still good. A couple of good players <laughs> coming down, so uh, I think it's going to be a great event. So I'm looking forward to it. Rod, for the uh, time being, there's other fish to fry, mate. Well, it's great to see you uh, in the company that you're in this weekend, and uh, we wish you all the very best. Thanks for joining us on Inside the Ropes. Thanks, guys. Good, good on you. Rod Pampling joining us on the show. The Golf Australia website is now the place to go to look up your handicap and so much more. Whether you're out and about on your phone or in the office trying to avoid work, just go to golf.org.au and punch your golf link number into the box at the top of the homepage. Who knows, maybe that last round was just good enough to put you in single figures. While you're on the site, check out the daily golf results at your club, view our course index for up-to-date ratings, read the latest golf news from home and abroad, listen to Australian golf podcasts and interviews, and watch video tournament highlights or tips to improve your game. It's everything a golf tragic could want. Visit golf.org.au today, the home of Australian golf. Hi, my name is Thorian Yu, who play on the LPGA Tour, and I love Vegemite, but I love Cedro more than Vegemite. Okay, we're getting towards the end of Inside the Ropes. So a whole lot of other bits and pieces to tidy up before we do wrap it up. Um, the Women's Open Championship at Kings Barnes this week is always one of the great events, and it's going to be eminently watchable again from an Australian perspective. Yeah, it's very close to St Andrews. It's about, I think it's about five miles south of St Andrews, Kings Barnes. It's a relatively new course, but it's Link style, old style. Uh, the seven Australians playing. Kari, as we mentioned earlier, uh, Kari would be think that she's in with a chance this week after the way she played last week. And Minji Lee was in the top 10 last week, so they'd probably be our best chance. But there's seven in there having a crack at it. Kari Webb's won three women's British Opens, would you believe, but none for about 10 or 12 years. So um, looking forward to that. Yeah. Are we on the view, Hazy, that the more difficult the conditions, the more it plays into Kari Webb's favour? Yep, absolutely. Simple I think as that, it, isn't it? There's, I think that's true of Australian elite Australian golfers generally. And I don't think it could be more true of anyone than Carrie Webb. Yeah. Technically sound, mentally, you know, bulletproof when she's up and about. Uh, so, yes, absolutely. Sarah Jane Smith's one of the Australians who's teeing up over there in our very own Alison Whitaker, caught up with her for Inside the Ropes. So, standing here out at the range at fabulous Kings Barnes with none other than Sarah Jane Smith, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. Um, talk to us a little about the golf course because we've been we've spoken to Whitney Hillier today, we've spoken to um, Stacey Keating slash Peters, yeah. um, and and they talked a little bit about it, but they haven't given us the lowdown. So what do you okay. think it's going to take to go and shoot like another 65 like you've been shooting all year? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the course is beautiful. I mean, it's visually spectacular to look at. Um, but I think you're just going to be smart around the greens, and they're a little 
slower than we're used to, but they're also very undulated, so you wouldn't want them, I don't think, <laughs> one <laughs> inch quicker. <laughs> <laughs> so that, so that's a, a definite play by tournament director, keep them slow. So yeah, you don't... I mean, they're def- they roll beautifully, but they're, I don't think you can have them any faster. Okay. Um, but it's just about being smart of where you want to be. I mean, you don't want to leave yourself one of these massively long parts with a huge undulation in the middle. So okay. it's, um, I think trying to put your ball in the right place around the greens would be a, a big advantage. Okay, so a little bit of placement with iron shots, so forth. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you've got hubby, naturally, on the bag this yes, week. You yeah. haven't sacked him yet. Not yet. Um, now, <laughs> people, I don't know that people at home realise that Dwayne was an exceptional player himself. Yes. Went yeah. through a lot of the like the program, state programs and everything as well. You guys got to a point where you went, all right, whose who's career are we going to choose? <laughs> yeah, it was Pretty weird, much? sort of. We didn't really, we actually never had a conversation where we sat down and said, all right, well, I have a better chance or you have a better chance. Um but it kind of just got to the point where he was trying and it's and it's so hard for them you know like there's just it's the depth and i mean we were getting that way with women's golf as well but um at the time it was sort of it was a lot harder for him and he um he was supporting me whenever he wasn't playing and then it sort of got to the point where he was playing so little because he didn't have the opportunities and then just progressed to full-time sort of gig and um, I'm super grateful that he was able to do that for me because I wouldn't have been able to do it by myself. So. Yeah, which is uh, the reality, isn't it, for a lot of people on tour. You yeah. kind of have to make those decisions. And it, for for everyone on tour, they kind of know you as a package deal, yeah. really, which <laughs> yeah. is lovely. I'm not Sarah, I'm Sarah and Dwayne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty much like a hashtag. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's. I think it would be odd to see one of you out for dinner alone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think if someone would definitely say, what, what's wrong? Like, what happened to Dwayne or what happened? They'd check your wedding ring. Yeah, yeah. Is it still Is there? Okay? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, talk about your team a little bit. So Sean Foley's still your coach. Yeah. Um, when was the last time you checked in with him in terms um, of out on the road? It's kind of pretty tricky sometimes, yeah, isn't it? I mean, we were very fortunate to have a massive summer of golf, um, so that made it a little difficult to catch up. But um, I flew home after um, uh, one of the Michigan events uh, before... Uh, I don't know where we went next, but I flew home <laughs> for a, nice, a day. It's a nice problem to have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Arkansas, we went next. Um, so we flew home and I was able to catch up with him then, but he's great with uh, keeping in touch with video and um, he likes to FaceTime, so we FaceTime a little bit and just have a chat and um, he's really good at, even not talking about golf, he sort of, he's really clever at telling you stories that you think don't have any relevance to what you're supposed to be talking about, but then you're like, oh, right, you know, like it's a lesson <laughs> in there somewhere. So we, um, both Dwayne and I both get a lot out of having a chat to him um, before and after events. So. Mm-hmm. That's great. Well, you're, yeah. having, like, you're having a pretty killer year so far this year. I feel like every second week we're talking about you being in the mix or having a great score. Or, you know, So what's kind of clicking with the game at the moment? Um, I think um, he's sort of... I was really struggling with my ball striking um, before I started back with Sean, and it was something that I'd never dealt with before. And uh, obviously, it's tough it's being a flusher all the time, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> but the the plus side of that was because I'd always hit it pretty good. I I would never consider myself a good putter, and my short game was horrific. <laughs> so when you become a um, less than good ball striker, yes, <laughs> other parts of your game have to catch up. And uh, so I felt like I sort of 
have been able to, to maintain that yeah. and then my ball striking's got a little better and so it's sort of it's all um, coming together. been much better scoring. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's a brilliant little <laughs> yeah, insight, so if isn't you, it? Yeah, so if you want to improve your game, just play really bad for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's There's a lesson there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so what time are you out tomorrow? Who are you playing with? Uh, I'm playing uh, at 10-something. I okay. need to confirm that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 10.20 or something. Okay. Um, I'm playing with uh, Penilla Lindbergh. A good um, friend of yours. Good friends with. Yep. So that was her mum who... <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's, fabulous. Yeah, All right. Ganilla. Straight from the horse. Ganilla. <laughs> yes. And Penilla. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so I'll be playing with her tomorrow. And okay. then I think it's uh, Anna Van Dam. Yes, Anne Van Dam. Anne Van Dam. Yes, long-hitting okay. Dutch woman. Makes sense. Right? I know. Pow. <laughs> Powerful, yeah. powerful move. I've heard all about the, the long hitting of her, so um, <laughs> I don't know her. I actually don't know what she looks like, but um, it'll okay. be fun. It'll be yeah. a fun group. So. Yeah, it'll be brilliant. Yeah. Well, we'll all be watching from home. I wish I could stay here this week and just stalk you all week, but sadly have to head back <laughs> to Australia. But um, best of luck. Thank you week. very much. Amazing. Thank you. So we wish Sarah Jane all the very best. Um, before we get to your couple of items of general business, Blakey, Hannah, for the 11th week in a row, we mentioned <laughs> Hannah Gree's name. We need, yeah, to, we need to sting for this. You haven't mentioned the B word yet either today, which you're about to break a, a 10-week streak. No, no, bifurcation. There you go, 11 weeks in a row. Uh, Hannah Green uh, over on the Symmetra, another one of the three uh, day of events. I think she's like tie 47 or 48th after the opening round. Very unusual to see down that end of the leaderboard. Mm. Well, not near the leaderboard. Um, well, she rectified that in the next two rounds. She ploughed her way through the field to finish top 10 again. She's putting together... Um, as we say every single week on this show, uh, on the secondary women's tour over in the States, an unbelievably consistent season. I'd like to get our listeners to actually suggest a sting for this. Right. Like, get involved on social media and tell us yeah. what we need to do for <laughs> Hannah Green Watch. I like it. It's, it's remarkable what she's doing. It really is. Uh, on a, Her first year as a pro, we, we forget Away that. from home. Away from home. I mean, she's been a good traveler the last couple of years with Australian amateur teams, but... This is extraordinary. She only yeah. turned pro in December. She's had one crack at the USPJ Tour, which was at Royal Adelaide, finished in the top 10. Hasn't had a massive win yet. It's sort of, you know, it's sort of uh, just like Minji Lee, you said earlier. You sense it's coming. Um, and what a spirited competitor, Blakey. Like, she's just gritty and everything you love about an Australian sports person. Good mm. on her. Uh, what's on your agenda over there? Okay, so David Graham won the 1981 Australia, uh, US Open at Merion, right? He shot 67 in the last round. It's regarded as one of the best rounds ever played in a major. He hit 18 greens out of 18 on the day. And you're playing an old-style US Open where no one could score. He shot 67. It was the greatest day in his golfing life. This week, he decided to give his set of irons that he played with that day. He's kept them for a long time, obviously. He's given them to Marion Golf Club. So they're going to go up on the wall at Marion, which I thought was great. That's good. And the other thing I liked was Stephen Bowditch, who's one of our favourites, Hazy, great bloke, Queenslander, plays on the PGA Tour. His record this year is one of 25 cuts. He's made one cut in 25 events. He's having a struggle, to say the very least. But this week they're playing the Barracuda Championship, which is a modified Stableford event. You get five points for an eagle, three points for a birdie, etc. And if you make a bogey, that's minus one or whatever. Greg Chalmers so, defending champion, yeah. Greg Chalmers shot plus 43 last yep. year. That was the, the score. So 
Bodich, who's very good with his tweets, if our listeners, you should should follow him because he's very self-deprecating. This is what he tweeted this week. Plus 43 won the Barracuda Championship last year. Now, this is a winning score that fits my current form. (laughs) Finally. I really like that. Good on you, Bado. I I hope that you shoot plus 50. (laughs) That's all for me. Uh, No, no, you've got one other. I'm I'm going to throw throw you a curveball here. The um, the, the amateur champion, the big amateur tournament being played over there. There's a few things on the amateur front, Andy. Uh, we would, we mentioned briefly last week a few more qualifiers. We've gone through and done the maths underneath it. There's two of our young women in the U.S. Women's Amateur next week in San Diego. Unbelievably, there are 10 Australian men and two further ones are alternates for the U.S. Men's Amateur the following week. Uh, both courses are in Los Angeles, uh, Bel Air and Riviera. That's a, easily a record and just shows you the depth that we have coming through underneath the guys we and girls we talk about regularly here. Uh, in addition to that now, uh, we're, as we're recording this on Thursday morning, we've just finished the second round of the Western Amateur in Illinois, uh, and it's a time-honoured one. One of those things we've slapped the time-honoured handle on, Blakey. Oh, love love, <laughs> it's, time, love it's something that's time-honoured. It's, it's, it's always magnificent. Um, but there's Steeped so many guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, there's so many guys here. That it's a massive field. The eight of the top ten the top five in the world amateur golf rankings all present on a tremendous course just outside Chicago. Top 44 make the cut or the first cut before we head down towards the third, second cut of 16 and then match play. So it's a long, complicated process. But right now, as it stands, Ruben Sonjaja is a Sydney-based guy. Well, he's actually based at the University of Iowa, but from Sydney. Joint leader at seven under. Minwoo Lee is tied, is fourth alone at... Uh, I think he's now at sorry, sorry. Ruben is at twelve under. Minwoo's at eight under. Dylan Perry's at seven under, uh, tied for fifth. New South Welshman, another yep. New South Welshman. Jeez. Carl Phillips is six under, just Wunder- continuing his Wunder- six, sixteen year old amazing form. Still fifteen, I think. Blakey just turned sixteen, I believe. Did he just well, you uh, ask me anything about Carl Phillips? <laughs> you're a full bottle on him at the moment. So I'm impressed with that. Just stop sending. Don't start sending him text messages. Going for yeah, going further down on the list, but still inside the you know the the cutoff here. Charlie Dan had a great round today, and Travis Smythe. Uh, so by my count, that's six of the top forty-four that's in the world, and Brilliant. this is a this is a tournament that everyone goes to. This is the premier lead up to the USM. Everyone who's anyone's there, we got six in the last forty-four. Kudos. Hashtag golden era. <laughs> Bring it back. Bring it back. <laughs> Not to put any pressure on anyone. We just get a bit excited. G'day, I'm my golf ambassador Jason Day. I'm really excited to be an ambassador for my golf, Australian Golf's National Junior Program jointly run by Golf Australia and the PGA. My golf is every Aussie kid's first step on their golfing pathway. It's all about teaching children the basic skills of golf in a safe and healthy environment, and just as importantly, about the life skills that golf can teach you that distinguish our sport from the rest. Remember to visit mygolf.org.au for more information. G'day, it's Nick O'Hearn here. Whenever I get the chance, I catch up with Inside the Ropes to follow up on all the latest golf, and I urge you all do the same. It's a great show. Hey, we're just about done, but it would be remiss of us not to bring to light a story that you've alerted us to uh, that recently transpired at the Concord Golf Club up there in Sydney, Hazy. Yeah, big thanks to Dave Tees at Golf New South Wales for for helping us out with this one, and uh, he's put us in touch with a guy called Brian Ashmore, and I think Brian's with us now. And Brian, you've uh, been part of 
Well, I wouldn't say history. That oh, might be going a little bit too far, Andy. But uh, no, it is a little bit too far. No, no, it is a little bit of history. I would have thought. Yeah, no, I agree <laughs> with your form, but not the latter. Yeah. So Brian uh, is is playing along at Concord, and I might let you pick up the story, mate. But uh, there's been an incredible. Uh, it's not coincidence. Incredible stroke of outstanding golf in the same group at Concord. Brian, welcome along to Inside the Ropes. Hello, guys. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I wouldn't call it outstanding golf. I'd call it incredible luck. <laughs> hey, talk us through the hole, Brian. Uh, you know, what is it, a 200-metre uh, rescue club off the tee or <laughs> over a tree uh, or something? No, no 122 metres, slightly downhill, par three. Um, incredibly, um, we, we, we've been saying that um, this will be the last time there will be a hole in one on that hole because uh, Tom Douglas is going to come along and rip the course up in the next couple <laughs> oh, of yes. weeks. But, but believe it or not, there's another hole in one about two days later, same hole. Anyway, <laughs> back, back, to, back to our story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't worry about the others, Brian. We want to hear about you. Didn't, didn't see a thing. It was in shadow. Uh, and you know how you, you, you blast the ball at the green and... Uh, and you can't see it, and you think, oh, it's either in the rubbish over the back or it's in the hole, and you're going to have a look, and of course it never is. Well, um, one of our playing partners, Glenn Laurie, um, he was on the front edge, and uh, we all walked around the side. None of us had any, any clue. And um, he raced over and looked down and, and looked up two fingers. He said, there's two in here. <laughs> and there they were, sitting side by side, two little sort of Callaway eggs. So, so just, just yeah, clarifying this, Eagles. so just clarifying this, Brian. It's yourself and Neil Dobbs have yeah. had holes in one in the same group. The same group. Um, I hit off first. There was another guy next. Neil came after that, and then the last one. So there was one shot between us, and uh, we none of us saw a thing. But there they were. <laughs> Did you know you'd hit a good one though? At all? Or did it feel like it was, you know, it was there or thereabouts off the club face? Of course, a magnificent little drawn nine iron right. <laughs> over the edge of a bunker, and uh, and uh, yeah, um, but but that hole sort of got uh, it's fairly well protected by a bunker at the front, and there's a, there's a down slope after the bunker, and and if you leave it short, and I was actually playing one club less than I usually hit there. If you leave it a bit short, you just go straight to the back. You have no chance of holding it. But um, yeah, there it was. <laughs> Brian, we've talked about uh, on this program before. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau, who's got his own little, um, you know, special sticks. He's got a fi- basically a physics degree to have had him done. He's put years and years of uh, mathematical torture and torment into coming up with a perfect set of clubs. I understand you just got out the blowtorch in the back shed and MacGyvered yourself up a seven iron length nine iron, and that's done the damage. I sure did. I've got a full set of the of, of Shambos. I. Uh... I'm now being called Brian DeChambeau. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got a, a, an old, a set of Ping K17s, which I've, I'm just going through proof of concept. And, and uh, yeah, I just, just uh, uh, modified all the lies and put new shafts in, and away we went. Um, but, yeah. So, so had you thought about doing that? Brian, had that been sort of front of mind for you before DeChambeau did what he did, or were you inspired by him? Uh, no, I was inspired by him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have you got a physics degree, mate? Uh, no. I'm a retired banker. as <laughs> close as I come. Yeah, surely you have to shout the bar, both of you, if that happens. The double uh, hole in one, surely. Well, um, at our club, we pay a 20 cent insurance per round, <laughs> and the club uh, puts it on for an hour. 
And um, the, for any hole in one. For any hole in one, of course, our tightwad treasurer, who's <laughs> just turned around the finances of the club, he uh, he only put on one hour. He said, "No, no, it's only it's only for one. It's only for the first one." So we oh. we, we only had an hour's worth of. Uh, oh, that's he needs to be named. What's his name? The tightwad. <laughs> um, I, I won't say. <laughs> <laughs> Far too discreet for us. That's not the type of guess we enjoy on this show, Brian. We like we like people who put blokes in. Just quietly, Terry Williamson. Right. <laughs> well, we won't tell anyone, mate. No, uh, it's a remarkable story, Brian. Thanks so much for telling us about it. Um, these are the stories that um, all golfers need to hear about, and uh, you're very lucky and very fortunate, very talented to be part of the one that we've uh, learned about today. Thanks for thanks for telling us your tale. Lovely. Thanks for having me. Good on Cheers, you, mate. Brian Ashmore yeah. joining us from the Concord Golf Club, telling us his story, which is absolutely remarkable. We need to hear more of those. We don't do. We, we do. So if people contact us. We'll we'll run with them. Can, Absolutely. Can I give you one more just before you? I was talking to a bloke last night over a um, over a beer who plays his golf, quite well known in circles here in Australia, not sporting circles. And he's taught, he loves his golf. And he got on the first tee and he's playing with his um, a Japanese bloke. And the and Mick said, um, "Should we have a little have a little bet?" And the Japanese bloke said, "Yeah, that'd be great." And um, he said, "Well." Maybe five, 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 and the guy goes, "No, just play for a dollar, just a dollar." <laughs> so he's mixed paired with the Japanese bloke, and they're playing against two other fellas. And he goes, "It's a bit tight, but oh yeah, no problems." Anyway, they get to the, I guess about the thirteenth or the fourteenth. Not another word's been said about the match. And uh, Mick's got about a four and a half footer to win the hole, and the Japanese bloke says, "Don't get." They'd halved a whole lot of holes, like about six or seven holes up to this point in the match, and the thing had been the, the thing had been jackpotting without Mick knowing it. And the Japanese bloke said, "Don't get too nervous, but this is worth five, over five. It's part worth over five thousand dollars." Melissa, oh, Mick said, "What are you talking? Your attention? What are you talking about?" And he said, "Don't worry, just make the part." When the Japanese bloke said. For a dollar, that you know, over there in their punting vernacular, it's a dollar per yard or per metre of the hole. So if you're playing 150 metre par three in the match, it's a dollar <laughs> by 150. So the hole's worth 150 bucks. And that had accumulated over about six or seven, or maybe even eight or nine holes to the point that Malloy's had this putt uh, of about four and a half foot. And it, like, it was worth about $5,237 at that point without him even knowing it. So if a bloke ever walks up to you on the first tee and says, yeah, we'll play for a dollar, maybe you just want to clarify that because that you could get yourself into some real strife if you haven't heard that one before. What did Mick do? The, he he like, made the putt. Did he really? He made the putt. Under yeah. the gun. Under the gun. He made the putt. He talks himself up, Malloy. No. He talks He talks a very big game. <laughs> a very big game. Um, that's it, boys. We're done. Uh, there's a lot to look forward to this weekend. Um, it's been fun as always. Thanks for doing it. Thanks, Amazing. Murray. Thanks, Thank, Blakey. Thanks, Good Blakey. on you, boys. Yep. This has been Inside the Ropes, folks. Uh, if you're listening for the first time, subscribe. Uh, if not, uh, we'll speak to you next week anyway. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>